it's the usual Jordan and I, and there's been some spicy news coming out. Jordan, how are you feeling about this news that's come out, man? Ooh, dude, I don't know what's happening with this silly season. If I'm honest, I have no idea what is even going on. But, dude, we are being treated to one of the most chaotic silly seasons I've ever seen in Formula One history. I am, first of all, if these allegations are true against Christian, I am going to be appalled, first of all. That's horrific what's been happening and the allegations that are going around. Um, but yeah, I think that this silly season is just going absolutely bonkers. I totally agree. And yeah, let's let's get into it. So for those of you who don't know, this is recent breaking news. Um, Christian Horner has gotten some allegations against him, which has prompted Red Bull to open up an independent investigation into his role and into Red Bull Racing. So it is actually the parent company, Red Bull, opening this investigation. And there's been allegations of, let me get this open so that I make zero mistake, allegations of sending photos to a female employee and the team is talking about transgressive behavior, which case you don't know is basically unwanted advances along those lines so yeah Jordan what do you think this this could mean for us and and what does this mean for Red Bull well first of all I think it needs to be clear that Red Bull Racing is not the entity that is discussing the initial allegations I believe it's Red Bull as a trading company um, if this is true this is astronomical not in only in terms of Red Bull directly, but in terms of Formula One as a as an entire an entire scene, because I mean, Red Bull is one of the flagship like icons of Formula One at the moment, and Christian Horner is very much a part of that. He has instilled the culture in that team. He has created the the environment which Red Bull has thrived under ever since they were. I mean, he's synonymous with the name. Exactly. Ever since they were early Jaguar days, coming out of Jaguar, Christian Horner has been there from the start. Um, and if this actually proves legitimate uh, as a legitimate room, as legitimate claims, and it seems like the sources are legitimate, um, I honestly don't know how Red Bull's gonna with we're gonna handle this. I'd be interested to see how the FIA would handle this, because um, if I'm honest, they want to get their paws on everything, and I don't even think that this is an FIA matter. Um, but obviously, we're gonna wait for teams to release statements and see what's going on. But yeah, man, I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. If this is in actuality, I really don't see how the pressure coming into this year after the most dominant season in Formula 1 history to have this smacked on you before the season even started, before you even get to pre-season testing. I mean, that's horrific. And according to the sources, he's been told to step down with immediate effect, which is if that actually happens, Red Bull might actually be in a bit of disarray I don't even know who would stand up to the challenge. Um, potentially GP, Jean-Pierre Lambiassi might step up. But if I'm honest, I have no clue what this is going to mean for Formula 1. So following exactly as you said, he, he has been asked to, to step down. So here is from the fastest pit stop on X. Horner is said to have been advised amicably, amicably to step down voluntarily as team principal and vacate his post. So I think, as you mentioned there, a huge talking point would be what does this mean for their season? As you said, the season hasn't even started yet. And so I think going into this, it's going to be a big shape-up. And I think it's very difficult, yeah, exactly as you said, after such a big, long, dominant season to get on track and then go, well, team principal's gone. 
Now, let's go out and win another championship like nothing happened. And in Formula One, I, I think we, we have seen that su uh, success generally follows consistency. He's been in charge there for 19 years. He is Red Bull almost. Yeah. So these allegations, I think, as you said in the beginning, are also just disappointing. Really, really disappointing. Uh, in a, in a male-dominated sport, I just think having instances like this is just really not the right way in, in, to, to move forward. Um, so you, you said you think GP would replace him. I, I think that would leave too big of a hole Yeah. Um, because I think he is a phenomenal race engineer. Um, but who, who else could replace him? And I think that's what Red Bull is going to be scrambling to do. What, what impact do you think that'll have on the... Uh... If I'm honest, I, I still don't see Red Bull dropping form. Um, they've, listen, I mean, Christian, even if he leaves the team, he's set in place the structure where I feel like it might be self-sustaining for a while without the leadership. Um, but as I said, wherever they find a replacement for him, regardless of who they find, I honestly don't believe that the Red Bull can get away with this without forming a large gap in, in, in their structure, in their infrastructure, in everything that is going on at the moment. Um, especially in a pre-season, which has been as chaotic as it has already with all of these big announcements. Um, I feel like regardless of who Red Bull picks, whether it's an internal source or an external source, it is going to be an adjustment period and it might actually impact their form coming into the season. If this was to drop, say, mid-season and they had already gotten an R&D process in order um, and they were already following a development path, I'm sure that it might actually not play as big of a role. But as I said, prior to coming into the season, this is this is horrific news. Not only for, I mean, if it's true, the, it's terrible news for that specific employee that was infringed upon and, and was violated, but it's terrible news for Red Bull Racing as a whole. It's going to damage their brand image. It's going to damage sponsorship opportunities. Sponsors are going to drop out left, right, and center. And especially, it's just it's just terrifying that that can happen in such a big industry, especially a male. I mean, it, it's bound to happen in a male-dominated industry, which is such a tragedy and such a sad thing to say. But in all honesty, I just, I, I really cannot believe it. Like, Christian, in the limelight, in the public eye, and he expected something like that to go... Uh, allegedly, uh, something like that to, to, to go under the radar is just, it's beyond me. It, it, exactly, and, and they've never been under bigger limelight than now. I mean, they've got Max Verstappen, they've won how many? Two, three on the trot. They are on fire. As you said, they are the flagship of Formula One at the moment, in my eyes. They are the flagship. They are the brand. They have opened up, I mean, living in Netherlands, you see Red Bull banners everywhere. Max is loved here. And my, my concern is that not many people are going to care. It's, it's going to be, you know, written off as this was bad, etc. But not that many people are going to look and go, well, as a brand, that's very disappointing. Which I think is, it should be because, yeah, as you mentioned, very appalling. Um, sure. And I think we will see some struggle of that consistency will be in the driver market. They've now got to get a new team principal and they've got a seat open in 2025. Do you think that changes it? I, I would hope not. I would definitely, definitely hope not. 
Um, the seat being open in 25, listen, from a driver's perspective, I think it's a brand image risk. But obviously, as a driver, you want to win world championships. You want to win races. You want to score points. So I'm not sure how that's going to affect the viability of that Red Bull seat. But one thing I do know is it's definitely going to be ingrained. It's going to affect the culture of the team. Because that team is built Agreed. on the spirit of winning. That team is built on cohesion. It's built on almost like a, it's it's almost like it's almost cult like the way Red Bull follows their their, their their entire structure. And it, that is part of the reason for their whole dominance. They are such a tight knit organization. And to have their kin their kingpin, as you said, removed from that from that aspect, it could be absolutely detrimental, not only for the driver market, but for the brand as a whole, for the team as a whole. And yeah, I just, I, I want to say I hope it's not true, uh, not necessarily for Christian's sake, but for the the employee's sake that had to deal with this. Um, but yeah. let's just wait and see where where the uh, allegation goes. Obviously, there's going to be investigation, and there will be public documents on it all. So we will try and find out what would be happening. But I think Darren raised an interesting point in the chat. Uh, he mentioned Helmut Marco. Obviously, that brings into the question of the rest of the Red Bull higher-ups. Has this been an attempted cover-up? If that is the case, then there's going to be multiple uh, uh, Red Bull higher-ups moved around. There's going to be multiple people removed from positions of power. Um, there's going to be a whole investigation into tolerance and into uh, uh, negligence in the workplace. So, I don't know. This could blow up astronomically. I, I totally agree. And... and I think, especially as you said, the FIA is going to get involved in this. This is going to be big, big, big news. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just Marco. I, I don't think he's in the position to take over and to 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 lead. I would um, not want Marco running an F Formula One race team, especially the way. It scares me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry to say this, but I severely disagree with how Marco and Red Bull handle their junior driver project. And especially Agreed. Marco being in charge of that. If he comes into a Formula One team control, I really don't see Red Bull maintaining their current trajectory. I honestly believe that it might turn into another kind of uh, junior driver situation where you've got so much pipeline and so much potential, but you actually neglect it kind of in, in, in favor of certain aspects, which is obviously, you know, Marco, he favors certain drivers over other drivers, gets them into the Red Bull program with the promise of, we're going to get you into a Formula One seat. We've got two teams on the grid, but obviously he doesn't make space on those seats. Um, so what happens when he comes into a Formula One team control? What is he going to do if he's in control of the entire F1 uh, Red Bull Racing motorsport entity? I just don't see that as a viability. I, I totally agree. And yeah, going back to the, the driver market, I just think it'll, more interestingly, from a viability for a driver's point of view, I think it'll be interesting to see if that changes the direction Red Bull takes in choosing a driver. Definitely. Because, you know, generally you've got team principals who have got favorites. I mean, everyone does. So, <laughs> yeah, subbing in Gunther, now we talk. Yeah, that's exactly what I just saw. He's Austrian. This is, a, this is a bit of a sensitive topic to be making light of, but I agree. Gunther to Red Bull. Sometime, it's time for uh, him to go smash down uh, Christian's door, go and take down his seat. Um, that's actually an interesting question. Do you think Gunther would be able to replace a Christian Horner? I don't think you'll be able to replace him, but as a, as a team, you've, you're an Austrian company. You're getting in an Austrian guy. I mean... That's that's a pretty good deal for your sponsors. 
Definitely. Uh, in terms of trying to recover what you're going to lose by all of this, because, yeah, if if the big man uh, Dietrich Mat Mateschitz was still here, I think this would be very different. Yeah. And I think we would have already had news going off. Well, I mean, we still have news going off, but just not in the light that Red Bull would have wanted. And I don't think it's going to be handled. Listen, I hate to say this, but I don't think this is going to be handled very efficiently. I cannot see Christian Horner. No. I cannot see Christian Horner being forced to step down with immediate effect. I think he holds too much stake over the the Red Bull Racing F1 team, and I think he holds too much stake currently in Formula One. I feel like there he is, creates too much of a power vacuum. And we, I mean, if I'm honest, with how good Red Bull's lawyers are after the whole debacle with the FIA, how they managed to settle that in 2021 after the Abu Dhabi situation, I can really see Red Bull, Red Bull Racing as an entity backing Christian against Red Bull directly. I hope that that, that isn't the case, especially if there is mounting evidence. Like you said, there is evidence of it. Um, but yeah, let's just, let's just hope and, and, and pray that this is your standard run-of-the-mill run uh, rumor and, and there's no factuality to it. But if there is factuality, he has to step down immediately. He cannot be in a position of power over that many employees, especially when Red Bull Racing has that many women on the team, especially in even higher Most positions definitely. like Hannah, Hannah in, t in charge of their Schmidt. strategy. Hannah Schmidt. She ca like People like that. I mean, sorry, she's just the first name that popped into my brain. But there are so many more females behind the team at Red Bull. And you cannot have somebody who is able to, 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 to get into that position in such a leading position of power. And I just think that that's a terrifying statement. I totally agree. Um, and I, I don't think Red Bull Racing would go and bat for Christian Horner because I think it's, it's too big. And look, in, in 2024, I don't think he can run away from those. Allegations. So I, I do think he might have to step down because Red Bull has faced some some stringent sort of not allegations but questions asked, let's say, about you know their racism, about their discrimination in general. So yeah. that that is already a concern for them as a brand. So yeah. I think the way they deal with this will set a tone for quite a while going forward. For sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. As you said, they do have evidence, um, so clearly something did happen. Um, it's just a case of how they're going to deal with it. Yeah, I, I mean, these kind of things in Formula One, unfortunately, are not handled with the the utmost uh, speed and correct. and um, you know urgency, which it should be. It definitely should be, and I, I hope that that this will be addressed with urgency and speed, not just for. The, the, the victim's sake, but for Formula One as a whole, because having somebody like that in such a position of power in one of the biggest teams, it just reflects badly on the whole sport. It reflects badly on Red Bull as a brand, and obviously it sends a message to victims of such such a, 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 a uh, an infringement that, you know what, it doesn't matter what you've been through. Screw, like, screw you, it's not our problem. And that needs to change. That's a mentality that definitely needs to change in such a sport. And I think also it needs to get away from this male-dominated, you know, male dynamic. Uh, away from that to, to create and show, you know, supporters who are women that, that care about the sport. That, look, we do care. We believe that this is not the environment we want to sort of 
put forward. So we are taking drastic measures, and I think it'll also be interesting to see how the FIA gets involved and F1. They, I can't see any comments from them yet, so that's also a bit concerning. This is currently unfolding as we speak. So, yeah, uh, I think the most interesting thing will be if they decide to sack him and when they announce it. Um, I think that will be very telling. Going on from that, I, I think this, this moves into... Yeah, carrying on on our conversation on driver markets and potential driver moves, um, as we discussed, this might change how they choose which driver to fill that seat. There was a rumor this last week that Alex Albon could be contacted for that seat, um, which creates quite a confusing situation because we thought he might be going to Mercedes. Yeah. So what do you think? Listen, part of me wants him to stay at Williams. I want him to to rally the troops behind him and build Williams up in, back into the glory days. Because I don't know if you watched the whole... I don't know if anybody in the chat watched the whole uh, uh, Williams car livery launch, but um, the whole essence of it was making history. And I believe Alex Albon, especially under... I believe it's James Vowles. He is, yes. he is in a prime position to bring Williams back. Williams is looking on an upwards trajectory. They're kind of looking like what uh, McLaren looked like leaving that Renault partnership and going over to the Mercedes partnership post-Honda and uh, post-McLaren-Renault days. I do believe Williams would be a good choice for Alex, but if a Red Bull, if a Mercedes comes knocking at your door with a contract, that is so terrifyingly hard to decline. I honestly don't feel Alex would decline a Red Bull seat he has a familiarity with them. He was with them for very many years. Um, and I think he has something to prove. The only thing that would put me off is Alex Albon said in a podcast, being Max's teammate is impossible. Because he likened it almost to a video game, where you have the sensitivity of the car likened to the sensitivity of a mouse in a video game with your aiming. And yes. Max plays on an incredibly high sensitivity where the car is super twitchy, super touchy, and Alex feels that the car goes over the point of drivability for most drivers. I feel like he might want to go into a, uh, a Mercedes environment that is more accepting I of totally a... I totally agree. Because Mercedes has proven as a dual driver team. They've handled Rosberg and Hamilton, which have followed two different... And that was parts. a tough one. Exactly. And they've handled now Russell versus Hamilton, and they haven't particularly tailored the car to either which driver... I do still believe Mercedes would be better for Albon than Red Bull was because Red Bull's a super cutthroat environment and it seems like Alex is a driver that needs to be able to be more comfortable in his environment to perform. But that's why, that's where I want him to stay at Williams. I want him to build Williams as his team. I want him to be the, the pinhead for a Williams resurgence in the future coming into the 2026 regulations. I, I don't think he will stay at Williams, but my heart is telling me that it wants him to stay there. I agree it would be uh, uh, very nice to see. You know, watch him rebuild that. He's certainly been a key factor this year in helping them get that upward trajectory with some of his performances. They've been phenomenal. But as you said, I just don't think you can sit there in a Williams comfortably and say, yep, cheers, thanks for Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull. Well, Ferrari not, but yeah, I'm going to stay where I am in Williams because I think one thing Williams struggles with, as we discussed last time, is just, their capital invest investments. For sure. They don't have the facilities to rival some of the other teams. Well, um, 
counterpoint to yeah. that, on the car livery launch today, I noticed quite a few new sponsorships on that car. It seems like James Bowles is actually taking a proactive walk down the path of sponsorship investment. Instead of looking for more money from current partners, he's expanding the partner horizon. And I think currently with oh. with the hype around Alex Albon, I know that at, after Alex Albon's performance in the Williams this year, Williams merchandise uh, uh, sales figures rocketed. Um, the brand capital and the stock price rocketed. They are actually on a very good financial trend at the moment. And I do believe kind of coming down into the future, I don't think that capital will be such an issue coming into the new regulations as it has been. But as you said, again, it's just, it's a matter of will they be able to get the same funding as a Mercedes, a Red Bull, a Ferrari, that kind of stuff. 100%. Um, I do disagree there in the capital not being as important because I do just think, how how do you make up for a 10-year-old wind tunnel? How do you compete with Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull with Brian <sighs> spanking, Aston Martin, Brian spanking new wind tunnel? Yeah. And you're sitting there with a 10-year-old wind tunnel looking at it. For going, sure. Well, it says our car is good, but man, it's a piece of crap on the track. <laughs> so yeah. I think... I do agree with you that, yes, it might become less important, but I, I think F1 as a sport to, to entice new teams has to solve that issue because no team like Andretti, who unfortunately we'll get into later, has yeah. been declined. Um, no team is going to look and go, well, unless we invest a billion straight out the gate on the first day, we can't catch up. Definitely. And I think with the conversation of the budget cap, that's one thing that we need to rectify that I think really would make a huge difference. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but there's also been some new details from Lewis Hamilton's contract. A hundred million a year. I've seen. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Um, I didn't actually see that it was a hundred million a year. I saw a couple of... Uh, a little, a little tidbit of rumors dropped that he was taking a bunch of his Mercedes uh, team over to Ferrari with him, which might impact the Mercedes side of the garage. But a hundred million a year, I mean, and you get to race at Ferrari, which I know he has wanted to for a very long time. I, I can understand why he did it. Um, it is a very enticing offer. Definitely, and as you said, he, he, he does have the choice to take some engineers, of course, one of the favorites being Pete, is it Pete or Peter? Peter. Pete, Peter Bonington, Bono. Um, so I think that that would be a fire uh, partnership to take through to Ferrari. Some other interesting engineers include Loic Sarah, who was on gardening leave and is joining back to Ferrari this, well, not back, but being able to work at Ferrari this year. And interestingly enough, there was some rumors that he was maybe a influencer for Hamilton to go to Ferrari they both disagreed with the direction of the 2022 car yeah. so that's very interesting to note sure. um, they're both on the same side that look this is not the right way to go and on top of that Hamilton's been offered a ambassador role at Ferrari apparently which was something he'd been pushing for ages to get from Mercedes he wanted longer contracts and ambassador role from Mercedes and I wonder if they had given him that would he have still joined Ferrari? If I'm honest, I think that he would have. Um, I don't think the ambassador role was enough to save it. I honestly believe... Because he's been wanting that for quite a few years in yeah. all of his contract negotiations. That always comes up. 
It has it has been coming up for a cu- quite a few years, but also I do believe Lewis has considered this Ferrari move for a long time now. I don't think this is a sudden overnight change. I do believe that Lewis doesn't think. I mean, le- he's always pulled blinders. The the he's pulled he pulled an absolute blinder moving to Mercedes, and I believe Jensen, but it was either Jensen Button or it was Damon Hill that also said that this is an absolute blinder of a move. If you look at Damon Hill. If you look at the trajectory that Ferrari's been on since kind of 2020, 2019, after the big uh, engine bust, uh, when when they were obviously running that illegal uh, uh, fuel intake on the engine where they were generating crazy horsepower. Since then, when they were down in the dumps, 2020, watching Sebastian Vettel run around in like lower midfield places coming up again through 2021 when they got Carlos back into the car, into a solid contender in the midfield, into a potential title challenger if they had better development and better strategy and better everything in 2022 and then in 2023 they seemed a lot more stable obviously there were still the odd mistakes i do believe lewis is going to bring a lot of experience and a lot of uh understanding into this team which i do believe will be a good asset for lewis and for ferrari so i think that this will be a good move i do believe that this ambassador role wouldn't have changed that especially with the disagreements on the obviously the zero side pod design of the car I think that that's been something that's been plaguing Lewis's mind for quite a while now, and that might have just pushed him over the edge, regardless of the ambassador role. Yeah, interesting. I do tend to agree with you. I think the ambassador role was quite important to him, um, but I, I think it's one of those where how important is the ambassador role versus winning a championship? Yeah. And I think one thing you got bang on the money here that I wanted to climb into is the this... He is going to bring a wealth of experience. And on top of that, he's going to bring engineers and staff. And these are all people coming from the most successful run in F1 of all time. Um, yeah. Beating Michael Schumacher. So, really, you, this could be the revival. And I, I just wonder, is this part of John Alkin, the CEO of Ferrari, is, is this part of his big plan? Get Fred Visser chat to Lewis, keep chatting, because they've been chatting for a long time, and I just wonder, is this part of his grand plan, and now it's all coming together, and people are going, wow, this is such good luck, and he's sitting there going, no, this has been, the only reason I got Fred Vizier was to lure Hamilton. For sure. And what I do think, you think? I think that was such a smart play as well, to, to hire Fred Vizier. I as I mean, I've been vocal about it previously, that I didn't agree with Fred Vizier as team principal. But now that everything's piecing together, it was almost like there were so many pieces of the puzzle missing that I wasn't convinced. And now that everything's coming together, it's just making sense. Fred Vasseur with an existing relationship with Charles Leclerc is huge. Fred Vasseur with an existing relationship with Lewis Hamilton, having been the team principal of ART when Lewis won in GP2. That is absolutely huge. And GP3, in fact. I think this is such a clever move to get him into, into, into a position of power. But I think it... Again, I question whether it's because of its, his leadership capabilities or whether he is somebody with enough influence over the current drivers and enough influence within the yes. F1 scene that John Alkin is able to, to place his puzzle pieces where he needs them. And that's where I feel this is coming together. You did mention Schumacher's reign earlier, and this feels like, a, a, as you said, a resurgence. This a revival. Feels, this feels very similar to the, the, the late 90s Ferrari where they were going through all of these trials and tribulations, kind of mid to late 90s Ferrari, 
Then Schumacher came in. He brought Braun with him. He brought his whole team of engineers with him. And he built Ferrari up from the ground again. I see this happening with Lewis. And that's what excites me so much about this move. That's why I think it's a really smart move. I think... I'm sure that there's clauses in his contract that gives him a certain amount of say in exactly what happens on his side of the garage. And I can feel it. I feel that it's very similar. It's Schumacher-esque under the Scuderia. Yes. And I feel on top of that, Formula One must be chewing at the bits to make sure this happens. Because what a story to promote. Then Lewis Hamilton getting his eighth title at Ferrari after Schumacher couldn't quite snap past seven. For sure. Um, Vettel tried, failed. I've got a, so, I've, I've got a question because I know this is going to play on your brain a lot. If Hamilton wins this eighth, are you still calling Schumacher your goat? Are you still oh, calling Schumacher you're looking, your goat? You're looking for if today. Hamilton oh. wins his eighth title. I'm not. I'm Hamilton. If he wins his eighth title at Ferrari. He's done it all. He's the greatest of all time, in my eyes. Schumacher was I, I would have to agree. But you Hamilton, this is, his, this is his goat-settling moment. The debate yes. will be over if he manages to pull this off. And the only argument you can make is Schumacher kind of helped Mercedes get back to it where it was for Hamilton to jump in there. Um, but I think, really, that is the only argument you can make, is that Schumacher could have had more championships, but he wanted to win with Ferrari. Definitely. Um, but I totally agree. The, the argument certainly declined sharply. If he wins that eighth, I think it is one of those that you've just got to bow down and say, yeah, he, he's now above Tom Brady even, you know? He's, he's now in GOAT conversation of not just F1, of sport. Exactly. He's a GOAT athlete. And I think that is something F1 must be dying to, to be able to publicize. So there's actually been a point raised in the chat now about every time Schumacher was challenged, he lost, which I severely disagree with. But I think that will be a separate story. <laughs> because, I mean, in my personal opinion, 2001... He is one of the GOATs. 2001-2002, the McLaren was the better car. In my opinion. I think without... In 2002, no ways. 2001, oh, yes. I think with Agreed. Raikkonen, if he didn't have the engine explosions, or, or if he didn't make one or two errors that where he overran tyres, he would have won the championship. And I think that Schumacher's experience came through there. So I don't think you can... I don't think you can say that every time he was challenged, he lost. But again, I think... I'm still up in the air because it was a very different format of Formula 1. There was a different amount of races. Yeah. There was different tyre regulations. There was different car regulations. It was a different environment. Um, the, the competition at that stage was completely different. So I do honestly believe that him and Schumacher cannot be decide, deciphered who is the GOAT at the moment. But I do believe that this is Lewis's mic drop, I am the GOAT moment. Agreed. One thing that's interesting is James Viles, who's of course worked with both, said that Lewis was faster than Michael, but Michael was just, not to say a harder worker, but he, he put more grind into extracting everything he could. So I find that quite an interesting comparison between them. Um, yeah, going back to the chat, uh, I think it's also unfair to say 98-99, Hacken and beat him. Yeah, he did, but Schumacher also had a crash where he broke his leg. Um, that put him out of the championship. And on top of that, it, it's not like he dominated Michael. They yeah. were down to the wire. 
That's true. And I think that McLaren was a better car. It I, was. It for had sure, definitely. And I think features. McLaren, McLaren has always been in such an interesting point. Uh, maybe not 2001. Sorry, I might be getting the dates wrong. But when Raikkonen entered the sport, into the McLaren, when Juan Pablo Montoya also was up against Schumacher, the BMW, yeah, I think that I was mean, the BMW Williams, 03, 04, around about there. The, the McLaren was probably the fastest car. It was just unreliable, and it ate through its Very. tires. But in, under certain uh, circumstances, there was no way the Ferrari was keeping up. And if I'm honest, I do think McLaren's driver lineups could have been better. I don't know why they hired uh, JP Montoya. Agreed. I do agree that he was a good driver, but I think that they could have expanded earlier into the hype of some other drivers. But again, I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't even think that this is a topic for this kind of uh, uh, video. This deserves its own entire debate. Uh, I agree. I was just thinking now if I should try and diverge us back onto it yeah, and just give in. And then I, I sat there and I thought, this is a one-hour conversation any sure. day of the week. I think, so I think let's yeah. get back onto some of the driver moves. Definitely. Um, so carrying on with that, yeah, as I said, Lewis Hamilton, $100 million uh, starting salary, including some uh, endorsements. That is just bonkers. Uh, Helmut Marko made a funny comment, I think, a year or two ago that one thing that must bother Lewis is the fact that he is getting paid less than Max. And yeah. I just wonder, and, and he specifically said Ferrari could help him. And I just, I sit there and I wonder if that plays in. I mean, knowing Lewis, super competitive, super competitive guy. For sure. Surely that must have. A hundred million? Stupid money. No, that's crazy. Um, that's generational wealth in one year. I mean, I think he's had generational wealth ever since he's left McLaren and joined Mercedes. Uh, I think uh, watching, myself personally, watching 2010, 2011, 2012, Lewis at McLaren, it was unbelievably depressing to watch. Um, not even just... I mean, the car was good in 2012. The car was really good. Like, if you watch Jensen Button's drive from the back of the grid in Canada, I believe that was either 2011 or 2012. 2011. Those were good McLarens, but they were what Ferrari is now. They had terrible strategy. Their pit stops cost, cost them an unbelievable amount of They just themselves up 100%, yeah. Yeah, I just think that ever since Lewis joined Mercedes, he's just... The wealth has just compounded. And I do think yeah. that... Um, 100 million is still a bonkers amount. I don't want to excuse that. That's a ridiculous amount for a salary. But if I'm honest, I think that it is deserved at this point. You can't sign an athlete of his caliber without paying that kind of money. And, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see if, if anybody else's deals change. Um, one thing we'll be keen to watch is, I, I, I'm very curious as to see Sainz's move to, to Audi. And who yeah. partners him? If I'm honest, that I think, to me is curious. Do you know what I think that the ideal lineup should be at at um, at Audi? I know this is going to sound crazy, but I do want to see a German driver in that car. Somebody yes, who you is sound a, crazy. Don't say what I think you're going to say. You know exactly what I'm going to say. You know? Do you know Nico Hulkenberg? Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah. Get him yep, in yep. the car. I promise you, Nico Hulkenberg, if the horse did not have microwaves attached to its tires and just burned through rubber like nothing else on the planet, Nico would have been a top midfield contender this year. His qualifying is phenomenal. He's always had a bit of an issue with overcooking his tires during the race. 
However, I do believe if Audi does get him in, he has enough experience to guide somewhat of a direction in that car, and I do believe he would make a very decent second driver to a Carlos Sainz. True, but he's 36. I agree, but that that's just not appealing as a as a team boss to start the new generation. Bring in sure. Mick. I think Mick 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 Mick. I would choose Mick personally. What's the German? I would choose Mick personally. Not only does the Schumacher brand image bring in a lot of capital and a lot of hype, but Mick is a is a, he's a very good driver. And I feel like if you get him in early enough and you start nurturing him within the team environment, you get him settled into the team environment, he will start performing on a very good level. I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's something we've seen from his junior days whereby you just see in his second years of competitions, he's always more on the pace. He's more in the mix. And so I do think he's one of those drivers that takes a little bit of nurturing, exactly as you said. For sure. I would love to see that. Well, I mean... So I think let's... Yeah, I was just going to say that this this uh, 2024 silly season is uh, is going to be absolutely bonkers. I believe we have 14 drivers on totally. contract. So if I'm honest, um, it's going to be something crazy. It's going to be something like I've never seen before in Formula One. I am very excited to see what's now happening with the Mercedes seat. I've heard rumors. A Alonso has been approached by Total Wolf directly. That'll be crazy. And I've heard Sebastian Vettel has contacted Mercedes. I don't think Mercedes will go for Vettel, but just imagine a Vettel resurgence. It would yeah. feel exactly like Schumacher to Mercedes in 2012. Somebody yeah. who's gone through a rough patch in their career, they've gone through a retirement, they come back as a resurgence, just kind of gets back into red, in, into Mercedes to point them back in the right direction. I think having somebody with as much experience as Hamilton lost, I think they need somebody like that to get them back on track. I totally agree, and that's where Fernando Alonso would be great, but he, he is a bit of a toxic personality to have in a garage. For sure. And that's something I don't think Total Wolf is jumping at to, to get um, yeah so I think w- with that I think now is a pretty good time to start discussing this year's cars and, and the liveries Ooh. that we've seen so far so Ooh. if I'm not mistaken it was today with, with uh, Williams, Williams. Today. what did you think? I like the red and white pinstripe that's all I can say otherwise it's the same car it's disappointing I think agreed it, it is the same car um, I, I did notice exactly what you meant, that it, it almost looked like a copy-paste. You, you really have to almost put them next to each other to find the differences. I totally agree with you. The pinstripe looks iconic, if you ask me. Um, yeah, it, it looks good, but just not, not that different. Yeah. I do. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the current livery trend, where we've got a lot of exposed carbon to try and save a bit of weight on the paint. Um, totally agreed. But yeah, I mean, Williams, don't get me wrong. Williams didn't set the bar very high, but Haas, what have they done with their livery? They could <laughs> not have set the bar lower. It is the most boring livery I have seen. It's it it's like, what is Haas doing? They had the Uralkali livery, which was just a plain white with blue and red, which was like a toothpaste advert. Then they had the, 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 the they, I mean, the rich energy ones with the black and gold was pretty cool, I guess. It was but, cool, funny, but cool. Yeah, but I mean, this Cash App, this ca- these Cash App liveries, I don't like them. They are boring. No, they, need they need an injection of something. They need they need a funky design. They need something cool to look. I mean, that is... So, Jordan, are you saying that the, fl- the American flag on the nose is not good enough as, and as exciting as you want? Dude, no, it's terrible. It sucks. I hate it. 
I think absolutely. I think Haas. I don't know. I really wish Haas, like, okay, we'll speak about Andretti later. But Haas is adding absolutely no value into the t- into the Formula One market at the moment. Why why on earth they even there? I don't know. Haas Automation must be making enough money for Gene Haas under the F1 sponsorships to justify the seat. But I honestly think that the FIA, FIA's hypocrisy saying Andretti would bring nothing to the sport when they've allowed Haas to remain in the sport for this long, that boggles my brain. So seeing as we've got no other liveries to discuss, I think now's a pretty McLaren good time livery. to... Oh, that's true, because they snuck a sneaky one on Yeah, it. they did. Out of nowhere. I mean, What did again, you think of that one? McLaren literally looks quite similar. I just like how they've adjusted it. I honestly think it looks much better than what the than what the previous livery looked like, like 2021 and 2020, uh, sorry, 2022 and 2023. I do like I it a lot. I see the difference. Really? No, I, I, it's one of those ones again, like the Williams. You have to look at it side by side. I think I side. have to put it next to, yeah. If you go side by side, I think that the McLaren looks decent, but I think McLaren's glory days of liveries are gone. I love the papaya and blue, I the totally full papaya agree. and blue b- between like 2016 or 2017 all the way up. I love the Marlboro liveries. The Marlboro liveries were iconic. Oh. Obviously, we've had this, the, the, the Topago product band, which I don't understand because we've had, what, like Voos and, and Velo as a sponsor for a long time now. But I just, I really don't know why McLaren has chosen this specific design. I mean, the Gulf livery, I wish they kept that Gulf livery from 2021 Monaco. Now we talk. That was Iconic. magnifique. Magnifique. But now it's just like, uh, oh, it's, uh, all of the liveries we've seen so far, it's just like, except for Haas. Haas I was very disappointed by. But the other liveries, I'm just like, oh, it's the same car. It looks the same. But that's where I... I Looking at them pulled up next to each other, I feel the McLaren livery is a downgrade. I you think really it's a dark? I think it's a slight I, upgrade. I miss, I miss the lack of blue. It's now just black and papaya. I mean, it's minimalistic. We've I'll lost even more color than we had on, on the grid. Yeah. We can't afford to lose any more color on this grid. We, we have to create something whereby, I don't know how they do it, but we've got to get away from this revealed carbon. Pink. It's so frustrating. Stuff. And the cast, the horse car, back to the horse car, it is all exposed carbon. It's all exposed all carbon with a couple of it's dashes of black. white in there. It's like... With some stickers. It's frustrating, man. I mean, to be honest, I expected this from these three teams. I, I, Williams, I was hoping, would make a change because they've got... They've, Williams, I was expecting more. I was expecting more. I didn't expect McLaren to change their livery much, obviously, with all of the partnerships and sponsorships that they have. Haas, I'm always disappointed by. Because, I mean, what <laughs> even are they? And then, I mean, McLaren's McLaren. But the coming up liveries are the ones that I'm excited for. So I think one of the upcoming streams we've discussed. Yeah, me as well. We've discussed this coming up. We're going to put together a tier list of, of the uh, deliveries once everything's dropped. Um, but for now, it's just disappointing. I totally agree. And I think, as you said, also hit the nail on the head that I really wasn't expecting that much from these. Um, but holy shit, they've still disappointed me. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, as you said, it'll be a lot more interesting going back deeper into the into the launches. We'll, we'll see some more exciting stuff. Um, I I just really, I, I think we, we've got to <coughs> get a podcast out here and just come up with ideas as to how to alleviate this exposed carbon pandemic we've got going on. Just, uh, they need regulations. It needs regulations as to a certain amount of exposed carbon that's allowed. 
Perfect. And perfect. I think that the FIA can be a bit more lenient on the weight, the waiting rules, just to allow us to get back to decent looking liveries. Because it's going to be how long now until we just have plain black cars with just the sponsorship stickers on. Which I mean, that's the trend it's heading towards, isn't it? And yeah. Exactly as you said, which is just disappointing. And I feel we're losing character. We're losing personality to these cars. I Definitely. Mean, you you think of 2010 to 2012 McLaren. Oh. Dude. You immediately think silver. The Vodafone you, I, livery was beautiful. Twice. The Vodafone livery was beautiful. It was so simple. It wasn't a lot. It really wasn't the most extravagant design, but it was Man, beautiful. I wanted to race with those cars on the game just because, exactly as you said, beautiful. Simple, stunning, elegant, flashy. And I mean, even oh. the Lotus liveries back then, they had a lot of black, but it wasn't no, exposed carbon. It was yeah. black that worked. Lotus liveries yeah, totally. were fantastic. I mean, even if you look further down the grid, like the HRT liveries were pretty cool back then. Force India had some cool liveries back then. Everything was just, there was more personality. And now it's just a void of exposed carbon and gene hearts. Yeah, going on to Darren's comments on YouTube, I also like the yellow Renaults. Um, they were quite, ah, uh, Rothmans, Williams, iconic. That blue and white, dude, absolutely iconic. And... That's what I think we're just missing is none of these liveries now, I'm looking at it and going, that's iconic. Yeah, I agree. Even Ferrari's red liveries, they just lack a certain, we are Ferrari. 2022's livery was a banger because they took inspiration from that 1992 Ferrari, which was the most beautiful yes, Ferrari cool. in my opinion. I that really cool. like the 2022 livery. Last year's livery, eh. this year's livery, I've heard so many rumors now and this has actually been something that's been sparking my interest. I've been hearing Ferraris going for more black on the car, which is going to make me so angry. It is going to make no. me so angry. I've seen initial renders. Uh, I've seen renders that people have posted about like what they think it's going to look like based off the rumors. The entirety of the back of the car is black. And if that happens, if that happens, I'm I'm supporting. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll become a horse fan. No, JB, as as I'm joking, 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 i in our findings, we see that Andretti will benefit more from Formula 1 than Formula 1 will benefit from Andretti. So, looking at Haas, how do you argue that? Because to me, I did not know Haas made machines, but now I do. Why? Because of the F1 team. They are trash. If they make their machines like they make their Formula 1 cars, I will stay away from those machines. That's so, true. I just struggle seeing the logic. No, I struggle seeing it as well. I think if Andretti doesn't get its own individual spot, Haas should sell to Andretti. Andretti, 100%. I don't Andretti, think I don't know why that isn't a bigger talking point. It is ingrained in motorsport history. Mario Andretti was a phenomenal driver. Andretti Motorsports within the IndyCar scene, within the IMSA scene, has always made waves. It is, and they bring so much character. They bring so much hype. They are such a motorsport icon. And to say that Haas is, to say that they don't bring value, again, when you have Haas on the grid 
to an extent, even when you have steak, kick, F1 Sauber on the grid. That was my next one, yeah. Visa, Cash App, Rage, Racing Bulls. Where, where are on. they bringing value that Andretti doesn't? Andretti is a motorsport icon. To say that they won't bring value to Formula One is to say that Steve Jobs did not bring value to Apple. To say, But I think also on top of that, you, you've got such a big chunk going in from American fans. Exactly. Formula One is and going crazy in America at the moment. Definitely. And that's a name that a lot of American motorsport fans know, as you pointed to. I think that's so an interesting point that was actually just raised. I don't think AlphaTauri should be sold under a conflict of interest. I think Haas should be sold first. I think AlphaTauri, as a car that. brand, there is history behind it. There is history behind the Toro Rossos. There is history behind whatever that team brand has always been. Sebastian Vettel in 2008, you cannot discount that. Pierre Gasly in 2021, you cannot discount that. It has its moments in history. Haas has nothing. It has got no history, no legacy, no nothing. It is there as a, 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 a quite a slow marketing gimmick from Gene, ha- from Gene Haas. That's it. Sorry, this gets me... And this... And this angry. I, I'm, I'm noticing, and uh, as it should, because I, I just feel not only does Andretti bring the name of Andretti, they were backed by Cadillac and GM, General Motors. Exactly. To, to decline not just... Andretti, but General Motors, Ford coming, well, not Ford, but Ford is coming in in 2026. You've got an opportunity to bring in Ford, bring in General Motors, bring in Audi, create Formula One as, as just this huge collection of engine manufacturers. And you've just turned away and said, no, nope, no thanks. So, yeah. Jenks, that's a good point. Wish Andretti could get a new spot so that quality would mean something again. Mm. What do you think about that? Do you think we're lacking in quality? I don't think we are. You know what? I hated where you had the pre-quality, where you had qualifying for qualifying to the back markers. I do think that it's necessary, because I don't even think Haas should be allowed to qualify for Formula 1 races at the moment. <laughs> I think it's what? It's the, it's the 15% rule, the... There's a certain rule One, that... 115 or 120 yeah, yeah. or something. There's a certain that, yeah, rule yeah, that yeah. claims if you fall behind a certain pace in qualifying, you don't qualify for the Grand Prix. I think having 12 teams and allowing 12 teams and allowing certain teams to be as slow as they were, that was a necessity. I don't want to see that happen again. I want to see... No, a, group, a close grid. A, a, exactly. A close grid, a group of teams that are competing for points. I don't want to see a group of teams that are competing just to get on the grid so they can finish 19th and 20th, respectively. That's not good for the sport. I totally agree, and that's where one thing I always laugh about is we, we just keep moving towards... Yeah, like, we, we move towards a closer grid, and then changes come in. For sure. So... And that's so annoying, yeah. man. I just... I, I really don't understand why... I mean, they were approved by the FIA. They were approved to put in the concept. They already started making mo- uh, movements towards getting their operations sorted. And all of a sudden, Formula One says, hold your horses. not happening. You're not going to bring value. And how can you look Mario and Michael Andretti in the eyes and say, you don't have value in a motorsport? That just... A hundred percent. It's beyond me, man. And it's in really a motorsport that is starting to push... 
F1 as a company is pushing like mad to race in the States. Exactly. Like crazy. It's not like they're looking and going, well, we keep getting offers, so we kind of have to take... No, they are actively pushing to increase their presence in the U.S. I mean, and how to many me, US it's races just, do we have now? We have Cleveland, we have Vegas, we have Miami. We've got three races. Where else do we have three races on the calendar? Yeah. Nowhere. That's true. That's true. And there's discussions about going to Chicago because they license, they trademarked some terms regarding yeah, Formula One Chicago. Exactly. And there's been rumors now spreading around for a New York street race as well. Oh, my goodness. Which I would be pretty upset by because I'm tired of street tracks. But... New York is a big destination. I would rather have New York than Miami. What's your feeling on street tracks? I actually saw Too renders. Much? I saw renders of the Madrid track today, and it looks decent. It looks okay. It doesn't seem it like just a traditional... It looks too narrow for me. Yeah, I mean, it does look narrow, but it doesn't look like your traditional street track where you're racing in between buildings like Azerbaijan or, or Singapore or Monaco. Fair enough. It looks like it could hold its own as a racetrack, but I just wish that they would have taken that circuit layout picked it up out of Madrid and went and put it on the side of a mountain somewhere with some exciting elevation change, a bit more racing room, some more gravel traps to get people beached. I think that could have been a very exciting racetrack. So here's a hot point from me. I actually like where it is because Formula One is making a push to be sustainable and this is the one time I can look at a track and go, I get your intention. And that's because they estimated that up to 90% of people can reach there by public transport. Okay, so this track valid. is very accessible, and, and that is the only thing that let me say, yeah, okay, I get it. That's okay with me. Yeah. That is it. I think I've just got a sour taste in my mouth after the whole Vegas debacle, where they were blocking yeah, yeah, off public view. They boarded up <laughs> bridges that people need to cross <laughs> to go to work. They and were yeah, people were scratching the vinyl off so that you could just see, like, a squint of where the race exactly. was. And I mean, the... The whole push for sustainability and then to have everything gone from Kota back into Europe, back into Asia, back into Vegas. That was hilarious. It just made no On sense. On a company run by data, you cannot get a simple problem of, of, of optimizing a, a schedule. Like, how? That annoys me, man. Yeah. It really bothers me. It, like, it scratches my brain in the wrong way, watching the plane go from <laughs> here to here to here, back to here, back up here, back down to here. It's, rubs me up the wrong way man yeah and then you're sitting there going no i can i can follow this this is sustainable like we can do this forever for sure i think we just yeah to, i also think we just need to start cutting down on how many races we have because i mean holy moly the calendar is getting i do agree with the calendar that i do is agree getting with i would much rather go to classic tr circuits less than street tracks and get some bangers in like as we spoke about last time malaysia You've got some news on Suzuka, don't you? Ah, uh, yeah. So um, that's one. Th okay, let's let's move into some good news for once. Suzuka is confirmed until 2029. One of my personal favorite racetracks. My actual earliest F1 memory was watching Fernando Alonso outside, uh, around the outside of 25 or what's it? 25 R. 125 R. 125 R around the outside of Schumacher. Kind of the signif the the signifying of of Renault's. Do, uh, like claim into Formula One. That is one of my earliest core memories. I remember sitting on the couch with my parents watching that with my Fernando Alonso blue and yellow bed sheets on my bed. That is core to me, so it makes my heart happy that Suzuka is in 2029, up until 2029. Hopefully it extends further because it is a brilliant racetrack. 
I would actually like to see Fuji considered as well, but I mean, it's so would I. But we'll take it. One thirty. We'll, we'll take it. Fuji Darren was ah one thirty. Yeah, there we true. go. But yeah, Damn, that's bad from us. That is really <laughs> bad. But yes, uh, yes, we should have Kailami. Man, would I die for a Kailami track? I don't think yeah. it would be that exciting racing though. That's the only issue. But I don't know if you've ever seen Toby Fenter's statement on, on, on the Kailami costs that it would take to upgrade it to a Formula One uh, grade one circuit. It is no. astronomical. It is bonkers. Oh, really? They would have to completely dig up the grandstands at turn one, move them, move the entire mountain backwards. They would have to excavate half of the mountain backwards just to extend the runoff barriers, or they would have to short, shorten the run down into turn one by like... 60, 50, 60 meters, just to allow enough gravel space to run. What? Plus then, coming into the last corner, the very last corner, the, the hairpin left coming out of the yeah. right-hand kink, they would have to extend that runoff area as well by another 50, 60 meters, which would then cut into the grandstands yet again. They would. It would take a astronomical amount of money and time not happening. to be able to upgrade it. So, if I'm honest, I think that he's trying to push for upgrade by upgrade, like time by time. But I know that he's, he's currently in conversation with DTM to extend the contract to Kailami to get the six hours of uh, six, hours, six hours of Kailami extended as a contract further down into the DTM schedule. Hopefully that starts generating enough funding so it can be a sustainable move. But be nice. if I'm honest, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. There's been so many rumors around it recently, but I just I know for a fact that it's going to take way too much time, way too much money, way too much. Because not only do they need all of that, but you know how special and, and fantastic our government is. They need authorizations. They need all of the bureaucratic stuff to be in place. They need licensing. They need documents. They need supporting documents. All of that to be in place before anything can even happen. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the interesting question is how can we get this going and get buy-in from everyone? Um, and I think that that's an issue people are, are, are forgetting about is is yeah something I didn't I wasn't aware of is how much the the sum of money is which yeah. fair enough makes sense you you need sufficient runoff and that track currently isn't catered for that um, but I, I just really would like to see instead of this big push towards street tracks get some iconic classic races back in. for sure get Hockenheim back get yeah. Sepang back exactly. Get Turkey arguably back in. I love the Turkish oh, track. Turkey, I love man. Turkey, man. That Iconic. was such a brilliant track. Iconic. By yearly. That would be quite interesting, Jinx. Um, so we did have that back in the day. The, it, the, the German Grand Prix used to be by yearly. That well, one year Hockenheim was Hockenheim. One year was the Nürburgring. Yeah. It was the same and I would Suzuki. love to see that. I believe it was the same I would love to see Suzuka that. and Fuji as well. Back in the early oh, 80s, yes, and that's 90s. true. In, and not only that, but even in the, you know, the 2000s, I think. I think we had some one, of it. I think we had a race in, in 2007 or 2007. I think seven or eight. Yeah. I think that was when. Uh, what was it? It was. Was it Felipe it was Massa? Like hell. Felipe Massa and Lewis Hamilton had that really famous battle in the rain. Yeah. That was brilliant. That's true. That was iconic. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully we'll see it. If I'm honest, I think we'll see Morocco before we'll see South Africa, just because they seem to have their, their stuff in order a bit more. That's true. And it's closer to Europe. That's actually a good point, yeah. Yeah. Very good point. So, yeah, we are going to call this a wrap so that 
you guys don't have to listen to us go on about street <laughs> tracks and get triggered any more than we already are. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will have some longer episodes carrying on. Unfortunately, the main point of this was the somber story of Christian Horner and his allegations. Um, next week, we'll be going through some liveries again. Very excited to see what comes out from some of the more exciting teams. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Jordan, any last comments? Thank you guys for interacting in the chat. It's a pleasure as always. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel. We love having you guys in our chat. We love interacting with you. We love it when you prove us wrong and you, you have more insight than we do into certain topics. Especially Darren. Darren, you've been a soldier in the chat today. Thank you for coming along. Thank you um, so much. Just remember, guys, drop a follow, drop a like. We will be posting updates on drama and stuff. We'll be sharing it to our Instagram page. So if you don't follow us already, follow us on WheelnutsF1 on Instagram. We will be also announcing when we will be going live on those uh, on those on those platforms. And then, yeah, as we said last week, we're still in the process of getting our whole branding and image sorted. So we'll have some nice, pretty overlays coming up. Uh, some nice animations as well. It's nice new logos on the channel, so everything should be coming together shortly. And please, please feel free to let us know if there's anything we didn't cover that you'd like us to cover, anything that you want us to go over. We're happy. Um, yeah. Anything we Again, can improve on with the stream as well. Yeah, we're open to suggestions. We are still in the feeling out phase, so we are happy to take on any suggestions you have. Thanks so much for making time out of your day to listen and have a good week.